0: So it's July 4th weekend. Happy Independence Day. I love this country, and I love God, but I try hard to not confuse or conflate those two loves because loving one's country and loving one's God are very different things. Here in the U.S., we have a rather complicated and sometimes troubled history between religion and the government. In recent months, some politicians have once again thought it was a good idea to post the Ten Commandments in schools. Some good intention, perhaps, behind that, the idea of rules and regulations, but I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea to post them in schools or government buildings. I believe in the separation of church and state, as articulated especially in the First Amendment of our Constitution with what's known as the Establishment clause that Congress shall make no law establishing any sort of religion. The Cornell School of Law puts it well on their website, saying the First Amendment's establishment clause not only forbids government from establishing an official religion, but also prohibits government actions that unduly favor one religion over another, it also prohibits the government from unduly preferring religion over non-religion or non-religion over religion. So, pretty good case there for keeping that separation of church and state intact and not posting the Ten Commandments. And the thing is, even if we were going to post the Ten Commandments in a public place and say, here are the Ten Commandments, the question is, which version are we going to use? Some of you might know this, but there are different versions of the Ten Commandments. The Bible doesn't say, Here's number one, here's number two, here's number three. Kathy just shared with the kids a version of the Ten Commandments that we Presbyterians tend to use. We use that numbering, a lot of other churches do, but not all churches, not all Jewish traditions either. The Lutherans, for instance, I love the Lutherans, but they have a different numbering system for the Ten Commandments. For us, the first two commandments have to do with idolatry. You shall have no other gods, number one, You shall not worship idols or not make any idols. That's number two. Well, the Lutherans, for whatever reason, merge those two together, similar ideas, right? But that's commandment number one. So their numbering is right from the beginning, different from our numbering. Then, when you get to the ninth and tenth commandment, our tenth commandment, as we understand it, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Neighbor's spouse, male or female, slave, ox, donkey, anything that belongs to your neighbor. We have all that coveting in the 10th commandment. Well, the Lutherans, remember, they combined a commandment, so they've got an extra one to play with, so they decided to take coveting and split it up and make it into the 9th and 10th commandments. So in the Lutheran, most Lutheran traditions, the 9th and 10th commandments are both having to do with coveting. Interesting. Given the rampant materialism in our culture, maybe the Lutherans are on to something with this, right? If you want to geek out on this, check the Wikipedia page for the Ten Commandments. There's a chart with all the different traditions, all the different counting. It's a lot more complicated than that. So, you know, that's one big question. Which version would we post if we were going to post them? But there's even better reasons not to post the Ten Commandments. I think it's fine to teach them in public schools as part of a literature class, part of a history class, part of a comparative religion class, but for any sort of religious endorsement, that's not appropriate. Sadly, there are many, Christian, uh, many people who claim the Christian name who are trying to force their understanding of religion on the rest of us. The, the hypocrisy sometimes is rather stunning. Um, There we go, there's the picture. There's a representative from the state of Georgia, US Congress representative, several years ago introduced a bill um, about getting the Ten Commandments in schools. Stephen Colbert, comedian, interviewed him. Lengthy interview, fascinating interview. He asked serious questions. And he asked this representative towards the end of the interview, so what are the Ten Commandments? This public figure who was endorsing the Ten Commandments in schools came up with three of them. Right. So I'm thinking, if someone's going to make a case to publicly post the Ten Commandments and kind of force them on one another, they should probably know at least 50% of them, you know? <laughs> so we all try to figure out ways to make these commandments. If we're going to take the commandments seriously, they need to be studied at home and in churches and synagogues. And I know families in this, in this congregation do all sorts of, things with Bible study and and trying to help one another. We try to learn these things together, and sometimes that um, transitions into the home as well. Several years ago, when our two sons were both under the age of 10, one of them, who shall not be named, (laughs) had disagreement with something that me and my wife had said to him to, to do in terms of the rules of the house. And with a strong, defiant tone, he said, you're not the boss of me, God is the boss. (laughs) I immediately am thinking, I'm glad the boy's thinking theologically, that's impressive. (laughs) But then I quickly went and picked up my Bible and opened it to Exodus chapter 20, (laughs) where we read the Ten Commandments and that wonderful little verse that says, honor your father and mother. So I said, yes, son, who shall not be named, You're right, God is the boss of all of us, but God has appointed parents to be, you know, in charge of day-to-day operations, as it were. (laughs) So, and maybe they learn some other commandments after that, I'm not sure. The, The point is, we need to find creative ways to take these commandments to heart, to take these teachings to heart, to help us do that here at Covenant. Those of you who've been around for a while, you know, on the first Sunday of every month, part of our liturgy, as we did today. We share the Ten Commandments together. And the placement of those commandments is really important. And I've made this point before, but it's really important. I'm going to make it again. In the Bible, the Ten Commandments come after God has rescued the people from slavery, not before. God does not say to Moses and the people who were trapped in slavery, if you follow these commandments, then I'll save you. Didn't work like that. Instead, God first saved the people from Pharaoh, leading them through the Red Sea, leading them away from slavery and oppression, setting them off towards the promised land with this new life, this new opportunity. Then God gives them the Ten Commandments, not as a precondition for God to act, but as guidance for the journey ahead. So, in a word, this is grace. This is God loving us and saying, I love you, I forgive you. Here are some words, here are some ways to shape your life, here are some ways to to move forward. So on first Sundays of the month, we confess our sin with a prayer of confession, we hear the good news of forgiveness, that we are beloved children of God, that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven and we are loved. Then we hear the Ten Commandments, not as a precondition for God to forgive us, but as guidance for us to figure out, okay, we're forgiven people, what do we do now? And that's exactly what they are. Former president of Louisville Presbyterian Seminary, Albert Wynne, understands the commandments as ten promises. He says that as God's people, we are in the process of being transformed as we put ourselves in God's hands, as we try to become more Christ-like. So these commandments are really promises that we can say we're moving towards a time when we will no longer worship false gods. We're moving towards a time when we will not commit adultery, when we will not covet our neighbor's things. So yes, these commandments are important, and we need to take them seriously in churches, in synagogues, and even in our homes, but not in schools or courthouses or government buildings. I think we need to be asking ourselves, and maybe you do that on the first Sunday of every month as we read these words over and over again that they might sink into us, we need to be asking ourselves, am I worshiping other gods? Am I honoring the Sabbath? Am I honoring my parents? Am I honoring my marriage vows? Am I coveting other people's things? We need to remember also that these 10 commandments were just 10 of over 600 that Jesus inherited with the law, and even though 10 is a pretty good number, Jesus narrowed it down even further for us. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love neighbor. So if you can't remember all 10, at least we can remember those two, I think, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, he engaged a, he, he offered or encouraged a deeper engagement with the law, instead of just rigidly following the law and checking it off and saying, well, I followed all 600 of those laws, I'm fantastic. Jesus taught about this and he encouraged this deeper level of engagement with the law so scripture reading for today from matthew chapter 5 jesus begins this section long section on the law in the second half of chapter 5 do not think that i have come to abolish the law or the prophets i have come not to abolish but to fulfill for truly i tell you until heaven and earth pass away not one letter not one stroke of the law will pass away from the law until it is all accomplished Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. I look at that and I think, we're all breaking the law. (laughs) Nobody can meet that standard. I think Jesus said this and other things like this just to kind of wake us up with a little jolt that we're called to move into this sort of transformation and this sort of new life, to move in that direction. So he goes on to say in chapter 5, teaching about the law, the law says don't murder, but I say to you, don't be angry. Don't wallow in bitterness, negativity. The law says don't commit adultery, but I say to you, don't lust. Don't look at someone else with objectification. The law says love your neighbor, but I say to you, love your enemy. Be kind to those who persecute you. Let your love be an agent of transformation in a world full of hate and bitterness and negativity. As Christians, we're called to live as transformed people, as people who are loving God and loving neighbor, and Jesus summed that up pretty well, and then the apostle Paul sums it up pretty well with these words from Galatians, simply saying, bear one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. It's really about how we treat one another, how we love God and live our lives. To me, that's what the law is all about, moving us toward not with some legalistic checking off and patting ourselves on the back because we accomplished a few things. As Christians, we're called to live as changed people, as transformed people, as people becoming more like Jesus. We Presbyterians don't like to talk like that, but I think it's true. I think that's what we're called to do, to move in that direction. That change happens slowly, very slowly, gradually, kind of like water dripping on a rock. And over time, that water drips on the rock, And it smooths out the rock, makes it something new. If the rock isn't under the water, it doesn't change. So it's good that we gather together for worship. It's good that we remember the Ten Commandments. It's good that we read our Bibles and say our prayers and sing our songs and share the the bread and the cup together so the water of God's transforming grace can smooth us out and change us and help us grow. The good news for us is that water is available and that God loves us, that we are beloved children of God. God has acted to save us, to launch us on a new journey, and God's given us guidance for that journey. Words to keep us out of trouble, words to help us find purpose and meaning and life. May we have the courage to learn, to listen, to follow, and to be transformed. Amen.